my man. Hey, man. How are you? It's good to see your face, dude. It's good to see you, man. It's been it's been multiple weeks since I've seen you. Yeah, at least, right? Yeah, it's been weird. Yeah, it's been very strange, un, unpre- uh, unprecedented time, you know. Yeah, how are how are you doing with everything? Uh, I'm doing all right, man. I, at the beginning, I was really staying on top of it, being extra productive. I've done like a lot of recording, and I've been doing a ton of research about mixing and recording, and just trying to learn as much as I can in that world. And yeah, it's just been. I've done a few online lessons, but work's kind of slowed down a bit, unfortunately. Yeah, man. Um, and then yeah, just trying to stay grounded, you know, despite everything going on. Yeah how is how have the uh, the online lessons been for you? Have you found it to be like difficult, or I like I found it really difficult to like teach over the internet. I don't, you know, mind so much teaching online it's more about just maintaining students and like not not many of them are willing to transfer over to online lessons but also secondly because they can't really afford it during this time it's not really a priority that makes sense yeah, yeah. especially for younger kids where it's like a extra curricular activity for them yeah yeah totally makes sense man it's hard for like every industry right now it's crazy yeah the world's kind of on pause right now yeah yeah um with the recording stuff have like what are some of the lessons you've been digging into um so i've been watching just like well because i i'm primarily a drummer so totally one really cool resource that i found out about from from my girlfriend was uh lynda.org oh yeah like just a public library card you can go on the library site and go to their e-media section and click on that and just use your library card to log in and make the last four numbers of your phone number. And so they have all kinds of tutorials, not only for music, but for any kind of like profession really. So I had watched one of those that was recorded at the famous studio in Hollywood, East West studios. Yeah. With a really fast, um, common session drummer, Josh freeze. One of the top guys. Um, and with the mixing engineer, Ryan Hewitt, I learned a lot. They bring in the drum doctor and talked about tuning drums a certain way for songs and to the song and then mic placement. So they're messing around with that and then messing around with different tunings and dampening on my drums. Yeah, but man. then also just in the mixing phase of like how to apply EQ and compression and all the various aspects, just trying to absorb as much as I can, just trying to really dial in my ears because it's like you can get into like the technical details of everything but it's not really about that because each and every situation is going to be completely different yeah man and so whether you know like oh these are generally pretty safe settings on the compressor or whatever it's like it's about using your ears and dialing in what sounds good in the moment and even if on paper doesn't look good like that looks really extreme but like no if it sounds good to the ears it is good absolutely hell yeah man i i really am a baby when it comes to compression and eq when i mix stuff i usually just like roll through a lot of the presets and then like that'll get me like more than halfway there and then i can kind of take it from there and dial it in a little more but um there's this guy will borza great mastering engineer our homie yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Fuck. I'm sorry, man. I was like, a super homie. I was at his wedding. <laughs> oh, dude. I wasn't even at his wedding. You might be oh, closer to Will than I am. Tiss, tiss, um, Will. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't know Will before he got married. Me and Will okay. have become friends. Yeah. And a little more recently. But, um, yeah, we're from the same graduating class. Hell yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's so dope. But he was telling me about like all these ear training drills that I could do for compression and EQ, like take a take a single track, like probably like a drum track or something. And then each um, each parameter on the compressor, like do it to one extreme and then the other extreme and then bounce sure. all those tracks and then put those like 10 tracks or whatever, however many it would be in like a randomized playlist. 
and then just like by ear trying to tell which track is which extreme like parameter change Mm, that's good it's it's one that i need to dive into and now that i have the time i should i should really be doing that shit yeah because it's it's good to over compress to hear what it's doing so you get used to it yeah you know you have to make the mistakes you know a lot of trial and error before you really dial it in that's all part of the fun yeah and obviously since we're now like in the digital age it's all plugins but like when you like grew up in touring at a studio which obviously i didn't do you get to fiddle with all the knobs and stuff and you really get the excitement of like turning all the way to this side and like, Oh, this is what happens. And yeah. I turn it off and oh, there's nothing. Or if you just, you know, use the general preset, it could just add some color or tone or warmth or something. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Are you, uh, are you thinking about releasing any of the stuff that you've been working on recently? Well, yeah, I've, the bulk of the work so far has been for dream phases. I've, oh, cool probably recorded anywhere between like 10 to 12 drum tracks in the last few weeks for oh wow that's sick and two of the tracks uh, that we recorded we're gonna be uh releasing a 45 on a on a label sick man yeah it's a cool la psych label called hypnotic bridge records i believe they put out a lot of stuff like frankie and the witch fingers levitation room stuff like that oh yeah yeah, so that we're looking forward to that, and then we're getting our second uh, LP while on the way. Hell yeah! Man. And I'm really excited. The music has evolved and it's new level of depth. You know, it's it's the way that ban- you want a band to naturally evolve. That's what I've been encouraging us to do, and it's been cool. Totally, man. That's dope. So Dream Phases is getting a lot of shit done during quarantine. What about? What about the numerous other projects that you're a part of? Yeah, so Drag is kind of picked up a fun little quarantine project. I don't know if I should talk about it too much, but yeah, you're good. Basically, we're doing like a covers EP, so I've been recording some drums for that. Cool, man. And then we're also in the demoing stage. I've been recording some drums for some contenders for this for our debut LP. You know, Hell yeah. back. Last year, before I went to Europe with Dream Phases, I probably recorded like six drum tracks for the LP. Hmm. So, yeah, now there's a couple more, but there's been some progress made on that. <laughs> nice, man. What's your uh, what's your workflow generally like when you're tracking drums? Are you trying to get like a one pure take, or are you like comping stuff together? Or how does that generally work? I mean, yeah, I'm just trying to get a, a lot more experience with, especially doing it myself. But I, ideally I, I'll take like the bulk of one take. And then if there's like a little section, like a transition point or something where like, Oh, I hit the crash here. I like how I entered this section more, you know, then I'll do a comp, you know, cool. and sometimes you like get all aggro about it and you want to like micro edit, but then you like listen back and like, this doesn't really like flow anymore. Like, mm. So it's really like, you know, you can use your eyes again and look at the grid, but really you got to use your ears most importantly. Yeah, because yeah, we're, we're all humans, you know, we're not machines, you know. It's just about getting as consistent as you can and just getting something that grooves and feels good. Totally. And if you get that, then you're pretty much there. Yeah, man, I, uh, I def- I'm, I'm in a similar boat where I try and get, as good of a take as I can, but if I need to comp something, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable with comping like a little bit, Yeah, but I feel like, time. yeah, I feel like the track breathes a lot better. Like when there's minimal comping, minimal quantizing. Yeah. Not quantizing yeah. unless you're trying to do like a pop record or something, Yeah, which is cool too. You know, it's got its own flavor. Totally. Have you uh, fucked around with like programming drums at all? Yeah, I have a, a few tracks that are kind of like a hybrid, electronic rock stuff, cool. or I'll layer like the kick and the snare, or I'll add like an a additional like percussion hi-hat part or something. Yeah. Because I'm big fans of, you know, that combination, obviously Radiohead, you know, but then bands like Air, or even like Beck stuff, or Square Push, or Aphex Twin, you know, his grooves are like really inspiring. Yeah, man. That shit's so good. I just watched uh, the Radiohead in Rainbow's basement session again a couple days ago. Me too, dude. It's incredible. So inspiring. 
I've been really researching Nigel Goodrich. I've been upon like many other mixing engineers and producers and stuff. And mm -hmm. I love his approach. Mm. And it's like, he's not too caught up into the technical stuff. You know, maybe he was at the beginning when he was really making his name, but really he likes to really get to inside the song and know like what the artist is trying to do. Then he like commits to a sound very early on, you know, like that's often seems like it's frowned upon and like, and I guess maybe for like assistant engineers or something to like apply a certain level of compression like while you're tracking rather than after the fact. Mm -hmm. He talks about like he gets a sound that he wants right off the bat. So then it's already like, like the raw mix of it is almost like what he wants already. Maybe just applying like subtle touches afterwards instead of like doing the heavy lifting post-tracking, you know? That's dope. I like that approach a lot. Yeah, I like I like the confinement of and like the restriction of committing to things. Like typically one thing that I've been doing is uh I'll give myself like a session to track an instrument, like a like a three hour or four hour session to track like and I'll take a bunch of takes and different flavors or whatever. But then like I won't I won't track that instrument again like the next day when i'm mixing it like i just have to use whatever is already in there and mm. that like has kept me from like going back and like overdubbing and overdubbing and overdubbing yeah and uh it's cool yeah it's crazy it's like sometimes you just have to let your baby out into the world <laughs> yeah yeah that's the thing is like it's never it's only finished like when we say it's finished i know you know I was reading about this other engineer producer. I can't remember his name. Off the, oh, I think it's, uh, I can't remember, but the guy that did Thriller basically when cool. he was working with Quincy Jones mm -hmm. and he had done like a hundred mixes of uh, Thriller or really? maybe it was Billie Jean, something, one, one of the huge songs. And basically he's like, I had mixed it into the ground and like we went back, listened to the second mix and that became the one that everybody knows. Uh, pretty sure it's Billy Jean. Damn. Yeah. That song grooves, man. It does, and everybody thinks it's a drum machine. It's a real drummer. It's like it's incredible. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah. The Michael Jackson stuff is so tough, man. Because I just like I love I love listening to his music, but all like the documentary and everything that came out about like him molesting children and stuff. It's hard to it's hard to draw the line between like, you know. It is, dude. I I don't mean like to teach my students Michael Jackson songs anymore. I feel so, oh, I feel such a terrible feeling. Like, dude, you know? same. But it's like at the same time, it's like, well, Michael wasn't the only one who like made these songs what they were. You know, it was like a team right. of people. And even so, like, it's a quet for me. It's like a question I think about if someone's moral like how they live their life and their actions should should affect whether or not like we consume their art like maybe like a great art can be great art even if they were horrible people um, yeah i don't know it's a it's a it's a tricky tricky conversation to have it is because there's so many renowned artists that put out such great art and it's like Sometimes at the end of the day, you just have to separate the artistry from the person and don't condone who they are as a person. Totally. Totally. But yeah, I feel you. Tell me about like what you've been reading lately. I know you're an avid reader. Yeah. So I, I finished this one book called The Presence Process, uh -huh. which is a whole journey within itself. It's basically, you know, there's like, an exercise that you're given to work on like every day, like a, a breathing exercise with a sort of phrase or a mantra, what you will, you know, mm. and you kind of just like breathe in and out with a word, like I, you breathe in and then and breathe out here mm. now in this, you know, mm. you do that for 15 minutes. And then after that, you just kind of go into free meditation. But basically it's about like, you know, kind of uh, bringing to the forefront, like your childhood trauma and like helping you like embrace that stuff and nurture it and realize where these things come from, like emotional, physical and mental 
um, characteristics about yourself and personality. Um, That's beautiful, man. It was, yeah, it was, it was interesting. There were some really unique experiences from it. Mm -hmm. I'm glad I did it, but it almost felt more like an exercise than rather like, like a natural meditation, but maybe that was the purpose of it. But it's really just about being able to develop presence and being able to feel more in each moment, being able to identify your emotions and stuff. Oh yeah. And then I started reading that book that you were talking about. That was one of your favorites. And also oh, yeah, I recommended, um, what's the name of that Man's, one? Man's search for meaning. Yeah. And that's super yeah. heavy. Yeah. I'm about halfway through with that one right now. Oh, well it's so like that book is basically two books. Like the first right. half is his story of like going through Auschwitz and like World War II and concentration camps and everything. And then the second half is like the synopsis of all of his ideas. And um, the second half is like just a really helpful, informative read. And then the first half gives everything weight because like you want to listen to this guy because he's been through so much. Um, but yeah, once you get through the first half, it's not like, super super heavy every page yeah yeah i'm just about to that point but the retelling of his experience in auschwitz was whew. yeah you man. really feel that and i had tears in my eyes like pretty mm. much all throughout that. yeah yeah it's it's a heavy read i definitely only read the first half once i haven't i haven't gone back to reread it yet yeah it's yeah. crazy man yeah yeah especially reading that during this time it's just like mm. yeah it's a very unfortunate time that we're in right now but you know it's it's not that bad being at home we're not in prison or anything you know? totally we're able to pretty much do everything we want we just can't go out and hang with people so yeah it's a bummer on one end but then you know it's a good time to get to know yourself is what i think exactly yeah i've uh I've I've spent a lot of time by myself over the past couple of weeks. Definitely, yeah. Getting to know myself a good amount. It, it's yeah. It's it, it is a wild thing. It bums it bums me out. It bums me out to not be able to like go to shows or like grab a beer with you or something. Likewise. Yeah. Yeah. But. I do appreciate these kind of Zoom hangs, you know. You, at least you're, it's more personable. You're able to see each other's faces and see how each other emotes and stuff rather than just, like, talking through text. Totally. But there's no emotion evolved. Yeah, man. Evolved, and, you know? and you're, like, one of my few friends that is, are really good about, like, calling people, too. So you're good about... Uh, yeah, I appreciate hearing someone's voice, you know. Yeah, it's good. It's really good. Maybe it's a little old school, but... It's not a bad characteristic to have, I think. <laughs> I don't think so at all, man. It's great. I love it when you call. It's always good yeah. to hear from you. Yeah, man. Yeah, Thank man. Us. Have you been keeping up with a good amount of people on like Zoom and stuff? Uh, a fair amount. I've had a few hangs, you know, but cool. Some people are like completely averse to, you know, doing like yeah, FaceTime and the video hangs. It's just like, hey kidding, man, it's like it's like, why not? If you, if you want to like hang out, why don't you just do a little video chat? Totally. It'll be pretty intimate, you know? If you want exactly. to have a, a beer and hang out, you can do it. It's not, it's not impossible. Totally, man. Yeah. But, and what have you been reading? I have been reading these books on binge eating. <laughs> so there's, uh, there's one book called Tame Your Feast Beast by this guy, Jack Trimpey. And um, he wrote this, uh, the book that he's most known for is this book called Rational Recovery, which he wrote, I think, in the 80s or maybe the 70s. And it's a basically a, it's a response to Alcoholics Anonymous, mm. where Alcoholics Anonymous claims, you know, a, 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 they claim a disease model for addiction and that the only cure to this disease is to work these 12 steps in companion with a higher power for the rest of your life mm -hmm. and his idea with rational recovery is that all an addiction is is like a is a really bad habit that has like 
taken over. And uh, if you understand a bit about the brain and like how the higher brain interacts with the lower brain, um, yeah. then you can, you can break that bad habit. And it's just like a, it, it, it's an alternative basically. So mostly he's, he deals with the subject of alcohol, but he did write this book about overeating. So I, I read his, I thought it was interesting and kind of helpful. I didn't, I didn't love it, love it. Um, but there's this other book <clears throat> on the same subject written by, man, I, I, I'm not going to be able to remember her name, but her book is called Brain Over Binge. And um, her book is like really, really helpful. I, I, I like hers a lot. So I listened to her audiobook book um, maybe like eight months ago or something. And now I'm finally just like reading. So it's all, it's all like a refresher, which is nice. Mm. And then, um, and then uh, I read the, uh, like that artist self-help book most mornings that which i'm sure i've talked to you about that book the war of art yeah i still need to obtain a copy of that it's cool man like i don't think it's for everyone because it's kind of just i don't know like the wording is intense Mm -hmm. and the imagery is like intense like he basically he basically is under the assumption that there's a part of our brain that he calls resistance that is like always trying to keep us from getting our work done and that all of life we are at war like with this part of our brain so he uses that doesn't seem very far-fetched no 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 like i don't i don't think he's wrong i mean i i read it every morning i really love it but i think for some (laughs) people uh for some people just that it's not for everybody. It's maybe a little like sure. the language is just a little too intense for some people, but I, yeah. I think you might dig it. Yeah. I mean, some of the spiritual stuff I've been reading is definitely has intense language. I guess that makes bold statements. And sometimes yeah. I tend to gravitate towards them, but I know it's not for everybody. You know? Totally. Totally. And the presence process does talk about addiction and stuff. And it talks about it. Yeah. Like being like, in a like an emotion thing and like, an emotional habit and it's just like it's not impossible to break you know and yes yeah, talks about like overeating and weight things so it, t- it touches on a bunch of different stuff but, yeah man addiction is wild i don't i don't claim to be addicted to anything i don't think that that i think that word is maybe a little too heavy for my situation but i definitely like i have bad habits it's just interesting like how like no one no one really knows what addiction is or like how to treat it and there have been people that have been successfully like recovered from addiction for sure right um just by nature of like there's so many different ways to recover like some people go to rehab some people do it cold turkey on their own it's like it's just wild that we it's it's so rampant and it's so destructive and we don't we don't really understand it completely yeah yeah i don't i mean i guess the closest thing i've been addicted to is music so i can't really say i hear you but the the book says like you know you can go to alcoholics anonymous or something or for drugs or whatever but that that's only a temporary change like taking aspirin or something for a headache mm. it it brings up the point that you know the change has to come from within you have to realize where that addiction stems from mm. embrace that and be willing to nurture that and be able to realize like why am i doing this yeah. obviously that's going to take a lot longer for others who are like super into it and maybe they need medicine at first you know like totally. so it's definitely like a very sensitive area and i am not the one to preach on that at all <laughs> i hear you yeah i'm definitely not an expert <laughs> yeah it is interesting though like i think that if we could figure out i mean not we as in you and i but we as in the humankind like yeah, if yeah. if we could figure out what addiction was and like how to help people recover from it um i think yeah the world would be a much better place i agree man i agree yeah i think right now like we said it's a it's really a good time to get to know yourself and i i'm a firm believer that your greatest teacher in life is going to be yourself you know totally really being okay with your thoughts and just knowing your your thought cycles and being aware of your behavior and like sort of becoming like the witness to the thinker, you know, 
starting to become conscious of your unconsciousness. I think certain aspects of that kind of, you call it thinking, but it's kind of beyond that in a sense. But that's really helped me out in a certain way. Yeah. Do you feel like the like the meditation stuff has been helpful with that? Yeah, absolutely. Because I tend to be a very analytical person, sometimes like over analytical. Mm-hmm. And this kind of helps you just calm yourself and be in more regular states of equanimity. And yeah, you just don't need to be inside your head all the time. You can just be more in the present and I think it makes life a bit more enjoyable. It certainly has in my experience. Totally, man. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think. I think I spend most of my time like obsessing over the future, but trying to obsess about it like in a good way, like just trying to like get my work done and like yeah. create a future that I can be proud of. Yeah. Um. But yeah, being present is also really, really cool. Sometimes I get nervous about like the pitfalls of being like super, super spiritual. Cause like in my uh in my experience, like dabbling with Christianity, like growing up. Right. Um, there have been times where I've been so preoccupied with like my spiritual health or my spiritual practice that I wasn't like, I wasn't really doing anything. Like I wasn't getting any work done or like really records or anything like that. So I think that that like, and I'm, I'm just speaking very off the cuff and honestly about what's going on in my head right now. But, um, but yeah, I think it is really helpful to be present and to meditate and, all that shit it's not bad yeah just you know just being able to live each moment as it happens rather than think back like oh what was i think where was i in that moment or something you know Mm, yeah it's having a greater sense of awareness and being able to be a better listener that's something i definitely struggled with you know like you're talking to somebody and like you can't help yourself but think about all the things that you want to say rather than just like being totally immersed in the situation. Mm. But yeah, I think presence is one of the greatest things you can offer yourself and offer anybody else because it goes hand in hand with love, you know, like being present is love Mm. in a sense, you know, and able to give somebody your undivided attention, you're showing love and empathy for them. Yeah. It's wild. Like in even in like a really small way, like if I'm, if I'm like hanging out with somebody and they like pull out their phone and they start looking at their Instagram, it kind of like bums me out. Cause I was like, Oh, I thought we were, I thought we were hanging out. That would be like maybe like a lack of presence in a very silly example. That's um, our generation. I mean, it's everywhere. Technology is obviously taking over and it's going to take over even more. Yeah, man. It takes a lot of restraint and discipline, but we're all, you know, guilty is a very heavy word, but we're all guilty of it. I hear you. <laughs> yeah, I totally do. One thing that I've been trying to do the last couple year, maybe two years, I don't remember when I really started to do it, but um, like turning my phone on airplane mode when I go to sleep and then not turning it like back on until after I've done like a bit of a morning routine, like breakfast and that's good. Then journaling and make a to-do list or whatever else. And that's been really helpful, like the first hours of the day, just to be like free of my phone. Yeah. It's cool. That's something I still need to work on. I tried it for a couple of weeks and I was good, but then other events happen and I'm just on my phone checking emails or something. But I still yeah. devote a certain part of my day to stretching and yoga and meditation. That's great. Like, I, don't, I don't feel complete if I haven't done that every day to a Hell certain yeah. extent, you know? Hell yeah. It's like that's like my rejuvenation potion every day. Nice, man. Yeah. I'm like, <clears throat> yeah, I'm so not flexible. <laughs> I probably should stretch a lot more than I do. I mean, you seem to be in pretty good shape. You ran that marathon and everything. 
Well, yeah, like running is cool. Like I'm, I'm in good shape in terms of like my cardiovascular system and my yeah. legs are really strong, but, um, I'm just not flexible. <laughs> it's, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't really care if I cared, I'd stretch more. I guess that's the, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I wanted to say that I really, uh, admire your productivity and workflow. Like that's something that I look up to. Thanks, man. I I really appreciate that. Yeah, I was really proud of you last year for doing a song a day for the 365 day. I don't know if you want to call it a challenge, but sure, I, you can call it a challenge. Yeah, that was really cool. Thanks, man. Yeah, I was I was happy to have you be a part of it. Yeah, I am. I'm glad I finally got to do that. Yeah, dude, <laughs> it was it. fun. It was super yeah. fun. And we still have to collaborate. You know, I got a lot of yeah. stuff in the queue, but I, I imagine making a lot of art with friends during this time. So fuck yeah, we're definitely in there. Hundred <laughs> percent. You kidding me? Yeah, man. Yeah, dude. Yeah, productivity is a funny thing. Um, I don't know. Like uh, my so my my most recent idea. It's not my idea at all. This uh, this author that I really like, this guy Donald Miller, he oh. has this um, he has this like morning kind of like to do list format page that like he fills out every morning, and I've been uh, I've been playing around with it to try and like get some ideas. And one thing that he does is he just has three projects on the left side of his to do list and every day he only ever makes time for three projects and like a project would be anything significant that takes between like a half an hour and two hours to complete. And just on the, on the basis that like, and then, and then the to-do list that he writes has to do with those three projects basically, but it's a way for him to like simplify his day down to just like getting three things done. Um, which is so nice because like before I'd write a to-do list and it would be like 10 things and like some of them were long and some of them were short, but like in my brain, it's so much easier to hold three things than like 10 things. Yeah. I was um, just talking with a friend about this last night. Oh, really? Yeah. How so? Actually, our friend Chad. Hell yeah. I, I, I write out lists or I'll have like so many different like um windows open on my browser or tabs open on my browser and like there's yeah. all the stuff i want to check out or i'll have a bunch of songs written down that i want to record and then i just get so overwhelmed that i get nothing done you know i hear you like but when you have one thing and you commit to that one thing in the moment you're able to at least have something to focus on it at least in my experience dude i totally agree and it's like you know, having that focus, like not only is it practical, like what you're saying, we're more likely to get that done, but it's also like being real realistic. You know, a lot of times I'll shoot yeah. myself in the foot by trying to do like too much stuff. Same. Yeah. Yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. It's, and I think that we'll spend the rest of our lives like figuring it out and like figuring out the best way for all of us to operate. Um, because, you know, as, as we're growing and changing, we'll need to change the way that we operate and like the systems that we make for ourselves. Yeah. Uh, it is, it is fun. I'm, I'm like kind of obsessed with trying to figure out like the perfect way to write to do lists and like the perfect way to do like morning routines and all that. Yeah. I'm getting to that point too. It's like, I would, I want to create like ideally during the work week, like complete one project every single day. Yeah. Obviously it can't happen all the time, but if, if I can make it happen several days a week or majority of the five day work week, then I'll be happy. Totally. At least, you know, I won't be too hard on myself, you know, but with the quarantine, it's just like I started to embrace chill mode the last couple of days. I haven't watched any TV shows, but then, God forbid I binge Tiger King. Just, what do you mean, God forbid? Tiger just, King is the greatest piece of entertainment that our good God in heaven has ever bestowed upon us. I, I had to see what all the hype was about. 
Dude, <laughs> did you like it? I, I did, and I got I can't deny it. I got totally sucked in. Yeah, man. Like I'm not I'm not saying that the people are great, and I'm not saying that the that it's like a like it's a like a morally good thing or whatever. But as yeah. as a piece of entertainment, I think it's the most <laughs> entertaining thing I've ever watched. <laughs> I was it's, enthralled. Yeah, it's just batshit crazy the whole time, dude. And the way that the document, the doc- documentarians—is that how you say it? The way the people who made it like <laughs> structured the narrative and like told the story—it was just—it was. Oh, it's done excellently. It was. It was so. Yeah. So like, uh, I've watched a bunch of. Like on YouTube, like David Spade has been. I watched all those of, dudes. Oh yeah, <laughs> I want to as much information as possible. About it. Dude, me too. You know, I, I feel like there's a lot more to the story. You know. Oh yeah. I I don't think there's hardly a likable character in the whole series. Maybe some of the employees for Joe's Exotic Zoo, but besides yeah. that, all the main characters are pretty evil. <laughs> oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, there's there is no question about it. There's, a, there's not much to take away from it in terms of quality, but oh no, just the thing to take away I think that's beneficial is make people aware of the animal abuse for profit and everything, and it's crazy oh, that more God. tigers are owned in the U.S. than in the wild. Yeah, I've heard from different public or from different places that that may not be factual. I don't, but the. Th- but the the thing that I heard that on was the guy Doc Antle or Mantle or whatever his name is. Yeah, he was one of the nutcases. Yeah, he's one of the nutcases. He was talking about. I, I I'm just saying I don't know, but he was on a podcast saying that that's like bullshit and like. Well, of course he's gonna back himself up and refute anything he can. I guess, but all uh, when I watched Tiger King, I knew that it was a very biased, like specific kind of a thing you know like i would i wouldn't be surprised if some of the statistics that they cited were like fudged a bit yeah but i mean it, it doesn't surprise me if that would be also true that there are more tigers because so some of them own like thousands of bloody tigers yeah and they were saying there's only like i don't know five thousand in the world I, I don't know specifics Crazy. you know but same man it was dude, definitely a journey. I binged the shit out of it. Same, dude. I started, when I started, I started on like a Friday night and I started watching it at 10 p.m. and I watched all seven and I went to bed at like five. Yeah, dude, I pretty much been going to bed at five every night. And <laughs> those are my most creative hours when it's quiet. I don't know. I just, yeah. like, I'm just in research mode. I'm just working on a mix or just. Yeah. I've always been a night owl, but now it's like kind of pushed the limit a little bit. So. Totally. Dude, <laughs> I uh, I have to go pee really bad, so I'm going to do that really quick. Okay, go ahead, dude. Hell yeah. Back from the pee break. The, the other thing that I watched, uh, in addition to Tiger King, was the new Trolls movie. <laughs> she hasn't seen that. Well, it's, it's expensive, man. It's like 20 bucks to see it because it's like a brand new movie. That's not based on that, like that old like meme or whatever. Like, Oh no, he's gonna eat me. He's gonna eat you too. I don't know. I don't know what that meme. That was is. like a famous like YouTube. I, I don't know. Can you call it a meme or a gif or just a clip? Like yeah, like a really bad B movie. Like it's all over YouTube. Type control <laughs> too. So I don't know if it's related to that or not, but it reminded me of that. It might be. It's like this. Um, it's like this animated, like a high production animated movie about these trolls that are segmented into different troll kingdoms. And each troll kingdom is like devoted to a genre of music. So there's like the rock trolls and like the funk trolls and the country trolls and the classical trolls or whatever. But um, Anderson Pack is like the main funk troll character. Oh, so so I just so this is like totally opposite worlds. <laughs> what do you mean? From troll two. Oh yeah, from the meme that That's you were like talking about. That's like a really cheesy, like fucking slasher crap movie. Yeah, no, not yeah, not that. But anyway, <laughs> sorry, I just sorry for even <laughs> oh no, you're fine, you're totally fine. <laughs> but yeah, I just uh, like on a matter of principle, 
I try to ingest everything that Anderson Pack does. Dude, he's dope. Did you see his performance on Fallon when they did the live stream with his band? And he's playing drums and singing. Was it recently? Like yeah, in the quarantine? Yeah. No. It's crazy that these the talk show hosts now are filming the shit at their houses. Dude, it's it's really inspiring. Like the Fallon stuff that I've seen on YouTube of him in in a, in a tent with his daughters. Yeah. It's so cool to see him just like getting it done. It's like, okay, here we go. It's cool to see all this home quality stuff being widespread. You know, you, they had Phoebe Bridgers on there and she performed in her bathtub in Echo Park. Hell yeah. A little keyboard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, wow. It's just like, I'm glad like that we're actually being able to produce content like this. Yeah, it's cool. Not that so, we really have another option. but Totally. No, yeah, that's why I like pulled the trigger with this podcast doing it on zoom and stuff like this because i've been recording podcasts in at my place since like november and kind of like dialing it in and making it good and i was just getting to the point where it was finally ready and then the quarantine hit and i was like fuck well no one can come over so i might as well just do like low production like zoom podcasts and just get it done i mean podcasts are awesome I've started to get into them more and more, you know. Hell yeah. On certain topics that I'm interested in or whatnot. Yeah. Which ones have you been listening to? Um, the Tim Ferriss podcast. Cool. I've heard great yeah. things about that one. Yeah. I was listening to one just yesterday with Jack Cornfield, who's a American Buddhist who I really uh, look up to and is inspired by. I have one of his books called a Pathway to, a Path to Your Heart or something. It's been really cool. But yeah, he's just talking about how you can kind of remain calm and grounded during this time of the COVID-19 and Mm. it just goes in depth with everything and just being in touch with your heart. And Mm. that was, that kind of helped me, you know, like be focused again, because just starting to slip away from like some of my routine stuff a little bit. It wasn't like taking precedence like it usually does or something. Wait. What was in taking precedence? The meditation? Yeah. I mean, like, like I said, I've tried to do it like in the morning when I wake up. But it's not always the case. Like, I just try to fit it within my day before I go to bed. That's cool. But like, what if I find if I'm able to do it in the morning, then I'm able to be more focused and not get distracted by other things that I wasn't trying to accomplish that day, which isn't mm-hmm. always a bad thing. But sometimes you have like your plan of what you want to do, and it's nice to follow through with it. Yeah. man. Yeah. For the last couple of years, I've been like trying to do my spiritual stuff, like right in the morning, like basically while I'm eating breakfast and right after breakfast. But now I'm toying around with after this, like Donald Miller thing, like the three projects thing, I'm toying around with doing my spiritual work after getting the three projects done. Um, because like sometimes basically the the logic is organizing your day so that you're doing the scariest and most difficult tasks first Mm -hmm. um and then like prioritizing them as like so on and so forth um because like the longer we go out through our day like the more tired our brains are going to be which i think is generally true i don't think it's absolutely true but i think it's generally true um yeah but yeah man i guess it kind of depends on like your circadian rhythm though if you're more of a night owl i hear you i hear you like myself i get sometimes more energetic at night than i do during the day i hear you well yeah especially if you're staying up until five o'clock in the morning every night i know i know what time did you wake up today um I'm pretty much been waking up around like one, you know, just Hell yeah. working on projects every night. It's like, not like proud of it, but I'm not mad about it either because, you know, I'm still getting work done and I don't have to wake up for a nine to five as long oh, as yeah. you're still able to be productive and totally it is what it is. Yeah. 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 You're totally good, dude. I made a, I made a real bad decision over the weekend. Are you ready for this? Yeah. I bought a I bought a PlayStation Four. Yeah, my brother's been fucking obsessed with that with his friend. 
Aaron and Benjamin. <laughs> so yeah, so I haven't been like too too crazy. Like I haven't been playing it like every moment of every day, but I have been playing it a good amount, largely because I don't know how much you follow video games, but yeah. the the remake of Final Fantasy VII oh, just came out. Don't even go there. I want. Is that, that what your brother's playing? No, I want that. That's that was my favorite game of all time, dude. It's like okay, I'll say this. Because it's same, like Final Fantasy VII was one of my favorite games growing up too. Uh, if I didn't play Final Fantasy VII as a kid, I don't think I would enjoy playing the remake very much. Sure. But it's like, dude, have you been online and like heard the music and seen some of the no. cutscenes on YouTube and stuff? I'm trying yeah. not to as much as like I'm, I'm curious. Like I read some reviews and like I don't even want to read those. Like. I just want to play through it when I have the chance, you know. I, I'm sure the nostalgic value is through the roof. At the very least, just fucking listen to the music, man. Go listen to Tifa's theme, like the new revamped version. It's like, okay, I will for sure. it's so powerful to hear all that music redone. They really, yeah. really did a great job. And while you're going through the game, there's all these jukeboxes and you can like buy renditions of certain songs. And they have these like jazzy renditions of a lot of the classic like Final Fantasy VII tunes. And wow. they're all like killer arrangements. Like literally, wow. like the first time in my life I've heard legitimate, incredible like jazz arrangements in a video game. And it's not like 8-bit anymore. It's like real recorded music. Huh? No, dude, it's fucking like real live audio instruments. But it's actually funny. Like there was this That's one wild. level, I think last night, where I was running around. And for the first time in the game, I heard MIDI strings. Because usually it's like real strings. And yeah. most most people wouldn't be able to tell the difference right. between the sound. But me, I was like, this is fucking bullshit. Why'd they put these MIDI strings in here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah i've been really torn around with the idea of buying a ps4 and getting that game i think that game is sold out everywhere did you order it earlier dude this is 2020 bro you fucking download that shit from the internet oh you download through the ps store or something well the thing is is that it's nice to have a physical copy to put on your shelf and whatever else but yeah, it's not really necessary if you download the games onto your console's hard drive they run way better Really? Oh yeah, because it's 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 native on the hard drive and it's not reading it off of a disc. And like the game already has a couple technical issues in terms of like textures loading at appropriate times. So once I heard, because I'm like you, I like heard some of the reviews and stuff because I've been yeah. I've been watching this Final Fantasy VII remake for the past like ten years. Watching yeah, it dude, it's been at least ten years. I was hoping yeah. like not so long ago. Yeah, man. But it's cool because, like, dude, it's probably it's gonna keep going for another ten years at least. Because this, this is like the first installment of it, right? First of three, yeah. Dude. Yeah. So that, that for the, the next two releases are gonna be on the PS5. And that comes out like this year or something. Exactly. Yeah, that's what they're saying. Man, I wonder if that's gonna get pushed back. Dude, it's, we'll see, man. But so, are you loving the game? Um, like, no. No, it's not, like I said, I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't love it so much if nostalgia. I didn't grow up with it with the nostalgia, but because of the nostalgia, it makes it all worth it. But I will say that the, the game is objectively great and the battle mechanics is like so fun. Like it's really, really fun and really cool. Yeah. Um, but there, there are some, there are some aspects of the game that just aren't really for me, <clears throat> and that's okay. Yeah. Like I really, really love um, like two D indie games. Like those are probably like my favorite kind of games to play. So mm. on a cell phone or something. What's that? On your cell phone or something? Like uh, my, I have a Nintendo Switch. Oh, cool. So yeah, I'll play them on those. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't been playing too many games in a long time. I had borrowed my friends with you and played the, the Zelda game for a little bit and put maybe 10 hours into it a couple of years ago. But Breath of the Wild? Yeah, that game was yeah. awesome. But I find I, I get totally distracted from music. And, yeah. I can't, and it's like, 
there's so many things I want to accomplish in music. So same with like watching TV shows or movies or something. Like everyone's telling me they're binging TV shows. And like I told you a couple of days ago, I started doing that, but I was only watching tutorials and mixing videos and interviews and all this shit and like looking up records and just trying to really dial in my ears. That's dope, dude. Yeah, man. There's, there, there's, there's a time and place for things for sure. Yeah. There's gotta be a balance. You know, like I totally want to play that game if I ever come across a console. That makes sense. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's it, it's fun, but also like you're not missing out on that much. I think honestly, the coolest part is just going on YouTube and listening to the redone music and watching some of the clips to like see the characters again. Yeah. Um, but also too, like my favorite Final Fantasy character is is um, Vincent the uh like the oh yeah the vampire probably guy. not in that game so yeah he's not even in that one I so if i'm like the other ones. oh dude there's i mean there's he's gotta be he was in the movie and everything yeah yeah totally yeah yeah so i'm like i'm pumped i'm yeah. pumped for vincent dude we could nerd out on Final fantasy 7 for a whole other zoom conversation dude it's a it's a big deal it's a super big deal it's funny it the um the guy who does the voice acting for Barrett goes to my parents' church. Really? And uh, yeah, so he like, and they're like friends with him and stuff. So um, uh, he's been telling my parents like this whole time that he's, he's like going to all these conventions and meeting all these fans. And he's like so weirded out at like how popular it is. And, uh, <laughs> well, yeah, dude. <laughs> That's probably a cult favorite for sure. I mean, that's, I'd say probably in the top 20 video games ever made. Easily. Maybe even top 10. And to me, it's top five. You know, it's yeah, I hear you. Number one or two, you know, that an Ocarina of Time. Yeah, man. Um, did you ever play any of the Resident Evils growing up? No, I didn't. I never got into those. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, those those are also like all getting remade right now. So that community is super stoked about it, which I'm also a part of. I, I really love the Resident Evil games. Yeah. I've never been a huge fan of like shooting games. I played Halo for a bit, but I like Bioshock. That was really cool because there was cool steampunk like art direction to it and everything. Dude, I wanted to like Bioshock so bad, but I just couldn't get into the battle mechanic of like using guns and magic. Like it was just yeah. I was like so the weird to me. I like the science science fiction aspect. I think like um but like with something like Final Fantasy, like it doesn't bother me at all. Like using swords and magic or guns and magic or whatever. But for some yeah. reason with Bioshock, maybe if I went back to it now, it would make more sense. But at the time I just couldn't hang with it yeah yeah dude so when did you first start songwriting i wrote my first song when i was like i must have been like 14 13 something like that Mm -hmm. um and i'd write a lot of songs about like jesus and like other stuff and like random raps and stuff and then when i was i think i was 15 i wrote an ep for this girl that i was like in love with and i like tracked like i think it was five songs on it i tracked the five songs and i made like album artwork for it and i like gave it to her for her birthday and she like loved it she was like super into it that's amazing. And, um, but yeah, but I like, I hated that. The actual recording process of recording that EP, like, I just, I hated it. I hated the whole like needing to do a perfect take and then not getting it perfect and then doing it over again and like trying to make it sound good. And it was just like, oh, it, yeah. I just didn't enjoy the process at all. So I, I've avoided recording until very recently, like the past year or two um yeah but um yeah man i wrote songs like basically all through high school at that point and then didn't write too many like song songs in college but i was writing like jazz tunes like modern jazz music and 
but yeah. So that album you wrote for the girl had vocals and everything? Uh-huh, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I wrote this song about like, <laughs> I wrote this song about like wanting to marry her and shit, and there was like wow. all these other tunes on it. It was, it was super intense. Was like, that like look, a Sunday school sweetheart? Yeah, man. Yeah, I was, I was just enthralled. Enthralled is the wrong word. I was, I was smitten. I, I really liked this girl. She was like the first girl that I really kind of gave my heart to, I guess. And you guys dated? Kind of. She was like, she lived in another state. It was a really interesting, it was a really weird situation where um, she grew up at the church that I grew up at, but then she moved to another state when we were basically in sixth grade or fifth grade or something. But since she had so many friends where we were, she would come back every summer to visit. Um, So sometimes she'd come back like for a month. Sometimes she'd come back for like two months. But every summer she'd be back. And every summer we would like like each other again. And then she'd move back and then it would fizzle out. So then as we were growing up, each time she came out, it got like more and more intense and like more and more serious because we were getting older. so it's is yeah, it was a very interesting specific situation. It's cool. Yeah, yeah. It's it's you know, she was a uh she was a cool girl. It's funny, and it's like now like a lot of the girls I find myself attracted to like have her attributes. Um yeah. so it's just it's funny how like kind of those first those first people that we give our heart to, or at least for me, like really informs like what I'm still interested in. Yeah. You learn what you like and don't like the yeah. first one. But yeah. Man. Yeah. So I've been collaborating with people for years and been in Sony bands and stuff, but it, I've never like released anything under my name in terms yeah. of like songwriting or anything, but I've been composing a lot of stuff and I've, really want to do that and i really want to pick my friends brains that are like avid songwriters like yourself and stuff and oh yeah so it's always been like a a goal of mine like i want to put this ep out i want to put an ep out so and that's one of my goals during this quarantine (laughs) fuck yeah dude but i have so many people have like said i want to collaborate with too so there's like so much stuff on on the queue like what takes you know, importance. Exactly, man. It's like what we were talking about earlier, like having that focus so important. Yeah. And difficult to like nail down, you know? I know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm uh I'm trying to be a lot more focused. Do you have yeah. a record you're working on? I have a single, it's a cover that I'm gonna release hopefully the first Friday in May is my plan. Nice. Um, and then I'm also going to try and release like one single a month for a couple months and see how that feels. Cool. Uh, I was going to re-record and reproduce the 365 record and like raise some money and like make it sound a lot better. Um, but now with the Corona stuff, like it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to like do a Kickstarter and try and raise money. So, um, I'm just going to focus on new things. I have a couple ideas for records that I might like to make, but nothing that is like really gnawing at me immediately. So I'm just, I think the, I think doing a single a month is like a, is like a good pace to be able to put some stuff out, but then also like work on the craft of, recording and producing and yeah um, absolutely yeah yeah cool man let me know if you want some percussion or drum beats on anything dude 100 percent, man for sure <laughs> yeah yeah um elias did the drums on this one that i'm working on right now do you know elias i don't think i actually ever met him but i know that name you gotta meet elias man he's so cool yeah 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 he's a cool guy awesome yeah man but yeah it would be super fun to do stuff together i love playing with you yeah likewise man 
And uh, yeah, we've done some cool improvisations together. Totally. Yeah. Dude, I cannot wait to just like go to shows again, be able to play again. I like there, there was a part of me that there's a part of me that is like enjoying the quarantine and enjoying like time by myself, but I'm like, I'm so stoked to get back to it. Yeah. I, I think a little human action is really needed for a lot of us Yeah, man. and deserved, you know, it's like we grow by community and communication and not individual, you know, a tribe doesn't grow by each, each person living on their own. Yeah. You need to band together and build your civilization and your tribe. Yeah. You need to communicate and see each other and love one another. Yeah, man. Yeah, I totally agree. Well, dude, this has been fucking sick. Yeah. It's all over the place, but it's fun. No, that's how it goes. We're just hanging out, having a conversation. <clears throat> that's that's the kind of like that's the kind of podcast that I like listening to. Like it makes yeah. me it makes me feel like I'm just hanging out with people. Like there's no agenda. Like stuff oh, yeah. just comes up when it comes up and I really dig that stuff. So yeah, no, this has been awesome. Yeah, man. Before we uh before we sign off, do you have any any words of wisdom for us? Maybe like if someone was trying to if someone was trying to learn drums or get their situation like to be in a couple bands like what you're doing like what would you what kind of advice would you give to someone like that uh i'd say when you're first starting out you know like find the music that really inspires and motivates you and try to play along to it to the best of your ability and if you can you know what's called transcribing is writing something out write some notes out or you know if you need to like loop something, find a program where you can do that or slow it down, you know, depending on the difficulty of the music. But I think playing along to records is often overlooked in certain communities, but it's one of the most important. And if you can, I would, I do really recommend studying with a teacher, especially somebody that's knowledgeable in the style of music that you want to do and everything. Oh yeah. And I would say, just spend a little bit of time each day being consistent, you know, like working on something that's your weakness, but then if you want to have fun and just play for the fun of it, do that as well. But just spend some time developing your craft every day. Yeah, man. Yeah, dude, that's, that's still what I'm trying to do. (laughs) You never, you never really grow out of that advice, huh? No, I don't think you ever should either. Mm. Yeah. There's never an end to the journey, you know, it's just a continual process. Mm-hmm. And that goes for everything in life. Totally. Yeah. Once you think that you've reached the highest ability of something that you can, then you just shoot yourself in the foot. Mm. You know, there's always refining, you know. Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, fuck yeah, dude. Well, we have a uh we have a meeting to prepare for, actually. You're going to you're gonna maybe if you still want to sit in on the uh, on the yeah, to do list meeting that. tonight. So yeah, so let's uh, let's wrap up. Do you, do you have any? Are you are you feeling good with this? Do you have anything else to add or anything? Um, nothing in particular. I think. Cool, man. How about you? I think this is great for me, man. This has been a cool time. It's been yeah. fun talking to you. You ever go back and watch yourself on these things? Yeah, man, I have to to learn from it and to try and like get better at being a host because I know that I'm, you know, I I know I'm not the best host, so I gotta I gotta listen to it and figure out how to get better. Oh, you're doing fine. So if you have any suggestions, let me know. <laughs> if you got any suggestions on me and how to be an interviewer, let me know. <laughs> no, dude, you fucking killed it. You're doing great. <laughs> Well, sick, dude. Well, we don't have to. Uh, we don't have to sign off the call just yet, but let's sign off from podcast land. Okay. All righty, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thank See you. Eric. you next time. Absolutely. Well, I wanna know what it's like to create inside your mind. Tell me every little thing. glass to the hour that just passed cause
Just one thing I've saved right for 